Right. How are we all? Not bad, thank you. That's Getting more enthusiastic. Yeah. We like it. Looking forward to when we can get a very good from Jay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking maybe around episode six, episode seven, yeah. we'll reach that yeah. peak. Once I'm defrosted. How are you getting on, Paul? Yeah, good. Always good. good. Always good. Well, not always good, but <laughs> I won't bore you with the details. So, yeah, good. Right. Let's get into it. Been a while. Hi folks and welcome to episode three of The Cutting Room and this week we're going to be talking all about how to save money when creating videos. So guys here we are again, how are we all doing today? Yeah not too bad thank you, I'm working up to that, very good, it'll, be, it'll come don't worry. Good, really interesting topic I think yeah. today, um, obviously with kind of current climate and everything it's something that everyone's kind of looking at in the... Yeah. Yeah, who don't want to save money, right? No, exactly right. So what's been going on? What have you been up to? Um, quite a lot, actually. Um, probably a lot of projects that are quite relevant to what we're talking about, really. We're doing a lot of remote filming, a lot of animations. It's um, It's been really interesting, actually, because it's not something that um traditionally done in the past, but it's it's good to like learn about new different ways of delivering content. So, yeah, it's been an interesting time. Yeah, we've also got a few jobs coming up where we get to leave the UK again, yeah, which Yeah, it'd nice. be nice to get on about. It seems like it's been a little while. I know we've got us two, myself and Joe are going over to uh, Data Cloud Global Congress over in Monaco uh, in April, which would be cool. And then, so there's a few of us away filming um, ITW uh, over in Washington. So it'd be nice to, and that's over in May, in May time. So it'd be nice to sort of get get out and about. Definitely, yeah. It was. Uh, it's been a while. Well, actually, that's a lie. It's not, not for been, you. <laughs> not, yeah. It'd be good to get away with everyone. I think yeah. that's the, the right way to put it. Cool. So yeah, this episode is all about sort of ways in which we can save people money, essentially. Now, everyone, you know, looking at what it's been like for the last year and even probably longer, if we're perfectly honest, sort of post-pandemic and all the uncertainty that was around last year. You know, we were hearing a lot about budgets being cut you know we were, we, were, we, were, we were chatting off air about a study um from last year where one in five b2b companies had the marketing budgets cut mid-year which is quite astounding really that's 20 percent of all businesses lot. yeah it's kind of been a knock-on effect really i mean when the pandemic hit you everyone expected a bit of a downturn as a immediate result of that um which was almost the opposite and then we're kind of seeing the the knock-on effects of everything now um which you know um we've i think we've adapted to it quite well um yeah i think there was also a lot of um there was a lot of funding and support back in the pandemic i'm not i'm not going to get political because yeah. it, it but there's a lot less of that knocking about yeah. <laughs> but that way i think it is something that um like you said, with everything that's gone on, it's obviously budgets being cut. It's never been more important to get value for money with the things that you're doing. And I think with so many budgets being cut, it does provide an opportunity for people, um, particularly in marketing, to stand out against competitors who have had budgets cuts. And even if you have yourself, look at ways you can kind of make the most of what you've got and put it into the right channels and, and medium. Yeah, it's like anything, you know, whoever adapts best to the to the current circumstances will be the ones who are still strong at the end. 
Yeah, no, definitely. And I think, you know, one thing we're hearing a lot, for, you know, from, from people that work in marketing, similar to ourselves, is, is I guess, the, the negative impact that cutting or reducing your marketing budget can have, uh, which w we all agree with. But I guess it's kind of what every, everyone's going to say when you when, when you kind of sell those services anyway. And I think for me, it's, it's yeah, it, it's the reality of business. And that is kind of what's happening, whether we agree with it or not. A lot of the bigger companies are certainly doing that. Um, and I, I guess to, to kick us off for me, firstly, when it comes purely down to video is that we're seeing a lot more people taking things in house and creating their own content. Yeah. I mean, it is a natural progression really from getting external agencies, much like ourselves to come and, and do everything. You know, you, you're looking more at in-house resources, uh, the skills that you, that you do currently have. Um, and you know, if you do have that then you're always going to kind of opt to, to go with that. I think where the angle we're coming from is is more around how you can maximise that and where agencies like ourselves can potentially help if needed. Yeah, and I think it's, I think it makes sense because there is a an, an ever-growing need for creating content. You know, there's a big pressure now on on companies, on marketing departments, on individuals to, to, to meet those demands and create a lot of content across a lot of different platforms. Yeah, and I think um, the for for video content in particular to work well, you need a lot of it. It needs to be regular, so it does make sense for people doing it in house. And I think, and and for me as the owner of Seven, I actually think it's a good thing because it means that people really see the value in video marketing, um, and actually, kind of the bigger productions sit alongside those other kind of in-house kind of regular content that they're doing so i kind of see it as a good thing for us yeah yeah it's it's, it's something that's happening regardless of the market conditions is people kind of being kind of self-taught making their own videos um and there are a lot more independent filmmakers and, and content creators uh, everyone's skills are kind of improving so well, we spoke about tiktok in the last yeah. episode like you've got a generation of people now going coming up and going into work into the workplace who have been bought up, brought up on creating videos themselves so that the, the skill set or the skill levels have certainly increased quite considerably so for anybody sort of listening or watching then what you know, if they're going to start creating their own content, what do they need to be focusing on doing or what do they need to be getting? I think they need to make sure that regardless of the method in which you're shooting and creating, you've got to still make sure that your messaging's strong. And, you know, it comes down to a lot of things that we mentioned in the last episode around identifying target audience, finding out the best form in which you can do that. I think those principles still remain strong. I think those can actually really help with with the way that you're creating your own stuff because if you if you do have a strong message and a strong story you're relying less on the technical capabilities and resources you have to kind of elevate it yeah and i think it's you're right you do need the messaging and i think people who are thinking of doing their own content i'll just say i think it's probably the best time since time began to be doing that like the where technology is like look at what you've got in your pocket like you don't need a lot now to start producing oh, what do you have in your pocket uh, well actually my phone's on the floor <laughs> <laughs> but do you know what I mean like phones like the cameras on them are, they're better than the, like the first cameras that we bought at seven like years yeah. ago I mean we didn't even it wasn't even HD when we first started <laughs> um, and so there are so many tools out there for people to get 
good content and you'll see it all over so what what are those tools what what should people sort of you know when they've, they've got the phone yeah what should they be doing so in, in terms of other tools and equipment i think first off the biggest consideration for me when making your own video is is audio um you can have the best camera in the world but if the audio isn't great then it's still gonna sound a bit shit and there's a Loads of things that you can do with that. A really easy and affordable way is you can buy little Thai lavalier mites from Amazon for under 15 quid, which will just drastically improve that that audio level, which is, for me, that's probably the fundamental that you need to get right. There's also looking at um, making sure that the camera's stable. So again, Amazon, if you're starting off really low budget, is um, you can get cheap tripods. You can even get fairly cheap gimbals to I saw a clip uh, on LinkedIn of one guy who actually just used an old um, toilet roll tube and just cut two little yeah. slides in it and just put, put his phone in there. I mean, that's going real budget end, but, you know, it's just something that's going to hold your phone still and not have someone's wobbly hand holding it. Yeah. Yeah, I think as well as the, you know, the, the bits of kit that you can buy, there's a lot of fundamentals and, and principles that you can look at to, that, that don't require any extra equipment just things like where you choose to shoot the way you frame a shot the way you know controlling your audio like like you mentioned joe i think there's a lot of tips that are out there that can trans completely transform the quality of your content without actually spending any money and i think another good thing which people will be well aware of with the kind of rise in ai and chat gpt over the last kind of few months I wonder when you're going to drop that in i can't believe you've waited three episodes uh, i have um, but no th there's lots of like chat gpt everyone knows about at the moment which is great but there's other um things is it great though is it there's a lot there's a lot, there's a lot of controversy out there it can be good well. i think there's a good starting point um it can get if used right used correctly. Uh, yeah if used correctly you can you can it can certainly save some time yeah I, I think that's the main thing it's not going to take over anything but th there's a really good piece of software which is good for video editing which is called video dot i ai um i'll send a link to it or put a link somewhere where you can put your video up and this computer will then cut it down for you to different segments and then also put it in the right formats for different um social media platforms i find my phone doing that itself like creating little slideshows of videos using yeah. my photos i'm not even asked for it yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. there i saw another cool thing as well was um again it's, it's using similar technology where, where it's maintaining eye contact so you've got it looks a bit creepy to be fair so i think by the, <laughs> by the time i think obviously once that's developed but you've got someone reading a script sort of off you know, it shows you both angles and on the on the ai version you're just looking down the lens and speaking so it's quite interesting it was a bit it was a bit crap but i feel like you can kind of see where where things are going and once that's been refined i think um i think it'll be massive and i think it, and I, I think it's a good thing i know a lot of people worry about like what's going to do for jobs and stuff but I think robots it, taking over yeah i don't think, see it like that i think it's gonna assist us to make better things and have more time to do things because it can speed up part of the process in particular like creating your own video content that's a really good really good thing for that so when you when you're creating your own content then so there's obviously certain you know in 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 my opinion there's certain content you should be creating with professionals and there's certain content that you can you know 
produce yourself and, and you know the, the old one is sort of anything that kind of goes on your website you want that ideally to be sort of professionally produced anything that's going to be you know quick raw going out on your social media channels can be created in-house or have that kind of lower production value and then i guess the next point is kind of just chatting about understanding when people should be investing and when you know and where they should be saving so what what where are the where are the areas where we think they can save a bit of money and where are the areas where we think they, that that it's not that you don't want to be scrimping on i think it all comes down to um planning long term and looking at, at what points you're wanting to introduce different things and i think in that sense you identify what things you are going to invest in for example, a camera crew to come and film for you, but then have in mind the other sort of in-house edits or kind of the social media stuff that you can actually get content from that and you can kind of plan ahead and then you're relying less on having to do multiple projects further down the line because you've you've already got the stuff in-house in, in the can. And I think another big thing which we always talk about, if you are going to, you know, if you if you if you if you don't have the budget for both the filming and, and editing elements is that certainly from our perspective we'd always want control of the edit because you can edit something that's filmed not very well to look quite nice but you, if something's filmed perfectly and edited terribly it's going to look crap yeah and i think that's a, a really good point to bring up and a, a really good place for people to look at investing if they are if they don't want to spend the money on the filming or can't afford to get a professional editor in because that can make a huge difference um and i think in terms of types of content where you don't really want to scrimp it's kind of your your brand video hero videos kind of top top funnel type stuff where for me i don't think you do want to scrimp there that's where you want to invest some money in but i think maybe like case studies and testimonials there's a a, a good argument that that they can be done like that um, there's also an argument that can come across more authentic as well if you can keep control of it. Um, it's, a, it's an interesting one with case studies, isn't it? It's a fine yeah. line, isn't it, between having that authentic feel, but it also not looking like you've just pushed your customer up against a white wall and you've got your phone out and yeah. asked them loads of questions. Yeah. I think, you know, a big part of it is identifying what skills you do have in house and what you can do, and then you're using an agency perhaps to plug in the gaps where you feel like you can't quite achieve that. I think it's striking the balance and identifying those areas. It's having conversations with them as yeah. well. I think we, we've heard, you know, over the all too many times, oh, no, that's out of budget, it's not worth it. And it's just like a final, that we, that can't happen. But once we've sort of opened more conversations with clients, it's actually, well, actually, yeah, we can, what, what budget do you have to work with? Right, so well, within that, there's, there's there's different options available. So there's always going to be a way in which you can create something at a reduced cost. It just comes down to an element of compromise and uh, and and a conversation. As you say, that, that is the best thing, is 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 speaking to the video company that you're using if you use somebody and, and don't just think, oh, if we don't have the budget for it, we can't do anything. There's so many options out there now that it's just finding the right places to put your resources and then leverage other people's skills on top of that so that kind of takes us on to the next point really about what different technologies are out there which can help to kind of keep those costs down and one thing that we're um using a lot at the moment is 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 sort of filming remotely because production costs certainly when you go out and filming can be can be quite heavy in certain areas um and we're filming a lot of kind of interview content remotely now aren't we 
Yeah, so, I mean, the main purpose of interview content traditionally is to kind of drive the story and act as almost like a voiceover at times. So what we're seeing is a lot of companies are conducting the interviews remotely, which not only um, saves on costs, but we've also had a, an ongoing project that's all around sustainability. And from that angle, the amount of energy we're saving by doing that. So there's a kind of a positive message around that. And what's worked really well with those is we're doing the interviews remotely. We're getting a decent standard of quality due to the, the software that, that we've started using. Um, and we're repurposing sort of archive footage that they have um, to create really nice case studies that are working really well. And I think it does work well for case studies because, you know, we're now, they're, they're much more affordable. They are as you say, more, much more friendly on, on the planet. There's less, you know, from a sustainability angle, there's less traveling involved to create them. Uh, and, and thirdly, there's less time involved for, for your client, you know, as opposed to going going up and filming for half a day or a day and, and taking that out of their sort of diary, you, you, you're spending an hour filming remotely and then it, it, then it's done. And I think from a, to go back to the point about cost, you know, you can be, in terms of creating a case study, you can be spending four or five grand to, to create one if it's filmed nicely and and I still think there is a, a real need for that type of content because that's what's going to sit on your website however there is still that need now or that that um acceptance of that kind of lower budget lower production value now and you could be creating those types of videos filmed remotely for 1500 quid two grand and it's just a, it's a, you can you can be doing you know two or three for the cost of doing one and, and it enables you to do that regularly then and you can kind of look at um again previous episode we touched on understanding your target audience you can have case studies for each of those buying personas that can resonate with them without for the same price as doing one you can get three or four and then you can start doing it regularly and i think like you mentioned it is it is a really big thing to bear in mind with your client if it's only going to take an hour out of the day or an hour and a half as opposed to eight hours that's huge, isn't it? Like, yeah. like you, you, I think it opens you up to better clients as well who are willing to talk, like some of the big ones, if that's going to yeah. be important. And for us as well, we were always a bit hesitant to create content like that ourselves because we're like, well, we're a video company. We have to, it has to be sort of top production value. Uh, and it was kind of born out of the pandemic. We had a really good case study with Heineken that, we, that we've worked with a lot over the last sort of nine years. We wanted to capture that case study. We couldn't get onto site to film it. But we, 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 we deemed that capturing that content in, in a not as nice looking production was much more important than actually having it look perfect, but wait two years to be able to film it. They've really come on as well. I think the remote case studies that we have done, you know, the first few, they were the first ones we'd done. So we didn't really know any of the extra things you can do in post-production to kind of elevate it. But one thing that we have done is imposing it onto actual shot footage that we get ourselves and putting the interview frame onto a laptop screen or a tv screen for example and i think the more we've done it there's been new things that we've learned and different techniques that we've used that have really kind of got us to a point where it's actually a really viable product i think it is and i think the feedback we get on that heineken one we do get a lot of comments on it don't we yeah um and i think what has helped is obviously the technology that you mentioned, Jay. So we use Riverside FM. Traditionally in the past, um, 
the issue doing them remotely would be kind of latency on your internet and reliant on that whereas this software doesn't do that it kind of records it um locally to either computer which just gives you um a more reliable recording doesn't it yeah much better quality image and i think like like what was seen as quite a low budget kind of style video is actually um nowhere near as bad as kind of what you would expect and we've been like oh that's for for 1500 quid that is that is really really good and particularly in these in these times that we you know when uh, budgets are being cut you know more and more people uh, are exploring that as an option well they're accepted now you know earlier on you know if you look sort of 3 years ago Evan you saw something that was filmed on a phone or um remotely like we've been saying it would have been quite sort of alien to a lot of people but i think slowly over time over the last few years it's it's just something that is accepted and it's actually become quite effective i think so what's stopping clients doing this themselves so like what what value can companies like us provide by conducting those interviews i think it's the experience that we have in in terms of interviewing you know we've got years of experience between us in getting the right story out of people, helping out with pre-production, helping them put their content plans together and really making it work well for them. Because I think in-house, if you're just going to conduct an interview and you're not really used to the different things that you're to listen out for, how to frame an answer, you can still kind of fall into that trap of it being a bit looking really sort of homemade almost sort of thing. I think where we can come in and really add value is coaching people through that and and also in post-production as well i think you mentioned one thing there about the answer and the one thing i always hear whenever we create case studies is i've i've got five questions i've got 10 questions but which are great but you want to know what what are the answers you're wanting to get because you want to structure the video that you're creating around the answers you know you're going to get because if you're just if you just got a list of questions and you just get any ans- any old answer back, you've got no control over what that video is going to look like or sound like. No, and, and I think that's probably the biggest thing we learned like years ago. Like when we first set up nine years ago, you dealt with just going out with questions. Yeah. And you're kind of like praying and hoping you get good. something good, yeah. and then you get to the edit and you're trying to figure it out. Whereas what we do now and what we'd recommend to clients, particularly if you, they are going to go and do it themselves, is think about the answers that you need and then build the questions around that. And then when you're doing it double check that you're getting them and keep asking the question yeah relentlessly so you get the answer grind them down (laughs) it's still only a a small part of the of the the process really isn't it the filming side of things there's still a lot more that goes on before and a lot that goes on after that are still important to kind of elevate the quality of your of your videos so i think whilst of course you know we have been talking about people doing things themselves but we still have a lot of value that we can add in other stages to to kind of get the most out of it. Yeah, definitely. So that kind of takes us on to our, our next point. We've sort of touched on reducing costs from a filming perspective. I guess there's other ways in which you can reduce costs across a video project, and that's looking at more maybe like animation style or we call them like edit-only projects but they're basically just a job where you just rely on any sort of existing assets or content or any sort of existing footage yeah and that's uh to split them up so say if we're speaking of edit only stuff 
um, yeah, that's a really good way of, of saving money. And that's kind of what we would do is we would use either stock or sell shot stuff by the client and edit that into a, a nice looking video that kind of hits the key messages that they're, they're trying to convey. And that is, a, I think, a very good cost effective way. And it, it's a bit similar to the remote filming because you may also do bits where, um, and again, we do it with one of our clients, Heineken, where obviously they're a big company some of the people that they need in the videos uh have got very busy days they can't take out a day out of to film and what you might do is get uh different bits of content of them delivering it and then we edit that together so it saves money but it also saves time for people as well and it brings us back to what we said is is having control of the edit is really important so when we when we did the remote filming as i mentioned we do film that remotely but then we edit it but then also in this this instance People are still they're still filming their own interviews to a certain extent, but we control that edit, so we control that consistency throughout the video. I think it's worth bearing in mind as well when if you do decide to conduct a shoot, getting a camera crew on site is to bear in mind those edit only jobs that can come off the back of that. So you know if you have people on site and you do have a bit of time, it's worth getting an extra bank of footage just in case you know just generic shots of. Like if we talk about Heineken of different lines, different products, just building up that bank of content so that when the time does come and you're like, right, we need to create a video on X, Y, Z, you can conduct a remote interview and use the the bank of footage that you have or just use the footage that you've shot and, and mix in some animations and graphics in there as well. Yeah. And I think, again, the other thing you touched on was animation as a, as a way of saving money. And I think... Animation's a really good way, in particular, I think, for like product videos of getting across things that are, can be quite complicated in a really short and succinct way. Um, and it saves money because you're not relying on, on people and sending people out filming. You've got animators doing that work, and I think it's a really good tool for that. It can be quite flexible as well, I think, animation, because if you're talking about a, a video that's shot with people coming to your site and doing all that you you're already locked into a certain price bracket in terms of getting people to site and and the time for the day whereas what animation offers is a few different bra price brackets in which you can probably fit your budget into depending on what sort of things you want creating in there but it does give you that uh, those options and certainly with animation because of, of how it is costed up very generally speaking like the, the longer the animation the more expensive it is you know from a filming perspective you kind of you you, you cut your footage down uh, and animation is very you know the, the opposite really where you're building out each kind of frame and and scene and i think you know if you are going to go down the animation route just be really sort of tight with your script um keep it as short as possible because the longer the script the more the more money you're going to spend and it'll end up being less of a good video unless it won't resonate with the audience as much because you've kind of overcomplicated it again. If you can't if you can't do it in sixty seconds then there's usually something You can be really wrong. sort of succinct and tight on your on the content that you're producing because a lot of the time it's either a scripted voiceover or text on screen. You can be a lot more to the point, I think. Whereas if you're gonna try and get someone to speak about something and get a certain amount of messages across they've got to weave that into their kind of vocabulary so i think it is a different way of doing things but it's it can be really effective and i think just one final thing on animation for me which is good particularly for like global companies or people who are dealing with different countries and different regions animations are really easy to get 
a different voiceover in a different language. It's easy to change a little bit more than it would be filming if there's any tweets that might be more specific or relevant to a certain there's some shockingly dubbed um tv adverts out there at the moment (laughs) i don't know why they've gone down that route but it's just so obvious that they're speaking in say german and they've put like a really weird english voiceover (laughs) over the top of it there is technology coming through where it can actually change your your lips to actually be speak to be speaking in a different language which don't know how scary that is, but it, it's coming. Unfortunately, it's not there yet because I tested it and um, it just makes you look really creepy. Like my, my lips moved, but my face didn't, and I was just like, <laughs> um, it was really weird. But yeah, I think there's there's some good things in there and about sort of saving costs around production. But I think also on on the flip side, it's making the investment work harder for you, and looking at ways in which you can get longevity out of the content that that you're creating and you know and a big thing we always talk about here is is repurposing your content making the most out of it making it go further for you can you be cutting it down into shorter form content using it across different platforms and just really sort of looking at ways in which you can kind of repurpose that content yeah i think when doing that it's really important to be quite strategic and plan when you are creating a bank of content or a project think about how many thing extra things you can get out of it and if you know those things when you're going into it you can tweak things you can do little retakes of things and you are then set up to not have to do several projects throughout the space of a year for example if you know that within that year you want content to do this this and this you can actually do a lot in the first instance to make it that you've got it all you're all set up then for the rest of your plan and and I think we'll see that a lot this year I know a lot of people talk about short form is kind of king for this year but which it is but a lot of it comes from long form videos well like this for example like doing podcasts and and longer form video content you can get quite a lot in a fairly short space of time that can then deliver content for the next few months so I think it's a really long form content's a really good way of getting short form content that makes sense but i think like touching on what what you said there jake as well you know we've done shoots for clients where it's kind of a half day shoot and you can create sort of 10 15 um short little 30 second snippets not not a a high price point because it's you know it's it doesn't take much film we can film it in our our office and uh, what that actually gives them is sort of you know a few months worth of content to, to push out on a weekly basis so it's it's making the most of that investment, I guess, but also uh, making sure you, you're repurposing it. And I think another thing for me as well is is resharing your good content as well. Like one thing we're seeing quite a lot of the time is how people are creating a video, but they're a bit reluctant to share it too many times. Yeah, people seem, people, I think, get it stuck in their head that once they've posted it, everyone's seen it. And I think, well, obviously that's not true. <laughs> like with the way the algorithm works, it's, and it is really important. So as it's still relevant uh, to the people you communicate to, then use it as much as you can yeah. um, and use it in different places. If you've created a video for TikTok, that can then be used on LinkedIn. Um, it can also be used on YouTube Shorts or, or whatever, uh, Instagram Reels, like just really making the most of that. And, and if you think about that... But if you think that people... If, so as, an ex- as you mentioned, people... Are reluctant to share the videos because they think people have seen it you'd always rather you share it numerous times and it reaches more people and one or two people think oh god i've seen that a few times than you just sharing it once or twice it only reaching a few people and a lot of people not actually seeing it 
Yeah, and yeah, exactly. That's what you'd want. And you've also got to realize that how much it's people may have watched that video like four weeks ago. I mean, it's not like it's ingrained in the head for the rest of their life. Yeah, <laughs> They've been doing other things. Yeah, They're not, yeah, it's not yeah. all about you, yeah. despite how we often think it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's about bearing in mind longevity as well when you are creating something. If you're going to really timestamp it and kind of put yourself in a corner of, we can't really reshare this, then you're not going to get the, the maximum out of it. But I think just bearing that in mind that you may want to reshare this or... And having a plan around it as well, you know, it always comes back to planning. But, you know, if you've got a plan throughout a sp period of time, you can identify the points in which it's going to be the most relevant and get the maximum engagement and you can you can execute it that way. It's a good point on longevity as well. It's thinking about the surroundings that you're filming in. You know, if you are wanting to use it long term and keep reusing it, you know, don't be filming in an office where you've got all your Christmas decorations oh, exactly. up, or yeah. if you're doing November, like make sure you make sure you're happy with that uh, to be used for the next. I don't know why I'm looking at you. Yeah, I was about to. Why are you looking at me? This isn't a hangover. You've been, you've been doing November for about four years now, but um, yeah, it's just to be mindful of that uh, in making sure that it, you know when it is going to be reused that you are happy with how it looks i guess yeah, yeah. And, and this is something you do come with like if you're looking at rebranding uh, it sounds obvious but don't be filming in those areas like yeah. go fairly neutral um and that kind of takes me on to, to the final point which you have kind of mentioned a, a couple of times as we've gone through it jake just around effective planning um and that is really the key i would say the key takeaway out of all this uh, whether you're getting us to create whether you're creating it yourself what the different method is for creating is if you plan your content effectively you're going to save a lot more money in the long run yeah definitely because if you know exactly what you're going to be doing in six months time when you're doing a project you know if you were going to create five videos within six months and you just kind of take it one by one you're paying for five projects there but if you've planned it effectively you can maybe only have to do one or two projects. So it's, it is really kind of minimizing the amount of times you're going to have to engage with an agency or take time out of people's diaries. And a perfect example of that is say, if you've got an event and um, you want to do some case studies, mm -hmm. you know, join them up, you know, the amount of times we, if you've got all your customers at an event that you're a partner event that you're putting on, get another camera set up, you can you can you can bash out five or six little case study testimonial and it's just maximizing you've already paid for the film crew you might as well get the uh, is it mate yeah you charge a little you you pay a little bit extra for the for the editing of it but you're going to get a lot more content uh, uh, you know over the course of um of that period of time yeah, if you if you're clear on what you're doing um throughout the year and everyone's kind of bought into that and has that in their heads they can identify points where in which you can maximize content and you can grab things here and there and it it just really kind of reduces the need to keep coming back and, and redoing things and and that's where i think costs rack up is where you don't really know where you're going with it you're just kind of going off the cuff yeah like you said the biggest thing is to maximize the time or money that you've got and to do that you need to plan effectively yeah and it's all about banking footage let me make sure i say that right <laughs> banking footage um is like if you're interviewing somebody 
Like you just need to like you want to think of other things or other content you might need to create. So if you're filming an interview with your CEO of your company about a particular thing, an announcement, what other things have you got coming up over the next couple of months? I, I, do you want to say something about the, your the sustainability angle of your business, or do you want to talk about um, is, are there other announcements that need to be made? Because if you get that content during that interview whilst those cameras are rolling. Um, and you've got it, it's there, it's in the bank and you can just edit it sort of in the future. But if you don't think or plan like that and then you think, oh, actually I could do with this, then you're having to go, you, you know, you're taking more time out of their diary, you, you're having to pay for a video company to go out and do it again. And it's just thinking, what else could we be getting? Even when you've got the film crew there for a day, what, what other things might we need in the future? Because you may as well ask us to get it or any other company. Um, other companies are available. Yeah. <laughs> um, you, you, you're much better off asking them on the day. Um, you know, Chris and Steve would probably hate me for saying this because they probably just want to get off home after a long day. But you may as well just say, right, can we capture this? Can we capture that? Because then it's in the bank and we can edit it yeah. at a later date. It works in all kind of stages of life, you know. Even when you're doing your shopping, if you're going out and you're just kind of grabbing ingredients here, there and everywhere and you you make one meal out of it, and then everything, all the excess goes to waste. But if you've kind of planned out everything that you're going to cook that week, you can reuse ingredients, you know, and you're going to spend a lot less rather than going to the shop five or six times. Love that analogy, Jake. Yeah, we should have called it that cutting up a whatever. How to, how to cook up content your how, how audience cook, how, devours. Yeah, how to cook up delicious content that your audience devours. Ready, steady, cut. Yeah. <laughs> oh, like yeah. it, like it. <laughs> Right, well, there we go. I think that pretty much brings us to the end of uh, this week's podcast. Um, thanks for joining me, chaps. How have you found that? Yeah, I thought it was a really good discussion, actually. I think there's a lot of good things in there um, yeah, that people can hopefully take away. Yeah, it's really relevant at the moment, and I think it's it's something that's just been at the front of everyone's minds, so it's good to kind of you know, get it all out on the table and, and basically just give advice an experience i think yeah no definitely and and everyone does want to and need to save money at the moment so anything we can do there to help so i guess that brings this week's episode to a, a conclusion and i just kind of want to finish on those kind of seven key takeaways um before we leave and, and this episode as we mentioned was all around how to save money when creating videos so takeaway number one was all around creating your own content Number two is to learn when to invest and when to save money. Number three was make the most of remote filming. You can save some money on your production costs. Number four, explore edit only or animation projects because you can save some money there. Number five was to repurpose your content, make the most of it. Number six is to reshare your content. Don't be afraid to share those videos again and again. And finally, number seven and the most important one is all about planning effectively. The more you plan, the more you're going to get for your money. So thanks again for watching. Thanks again for listening. And stay tuned for the next episode, which I don't know what it is right now, but I'm sure it's going to be a good one. Bye.